Ladies and gentlemen, this is your places call. All right, everybody, back to one. Stand by lights one and sound one. Camera speeding. Audio speeding. Lights and sound. Go. And action. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Pretend World's Real People. I'm one of your hosts, Stephanie. Unfortunately, our other host, Tyler, is not with us today. He had some Wi-Fi issues at his house and was unable to join us for the interview. But it's okay, because I have an awesome episode for you today. Uh, I'm really excited about this guest. She's a little bit different than a lot of the people we've had already. Uh, Instead of being on stage or on the screen, she works behind the scenes as a wig and hairstylist. So she is a crew member. Woo woo! Uh, so I think that you guys are going to really enjoy hearing her perspective on, uh, the arts world, uh, in theater and film and, uh, yeah, just enjoy the episode and we'll welcome Sarah Levine. Sarah, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you. Hello. Thank you for having me. Um, can you please let our listeners know who you are and what you do? Of course. Um, my name is Sarah Levine. Um, and I am a hairstylist, but not in a salon. I work mainly as a hairstylist for theater and television. And I'm also a wig artisan and wig maker, which sort of falls into the all encapsulating term of hairstylist for TV and theater. Yeah. That's really cool. Um, (laughs) a lot of things. (laughs) Well, I, it's so funny. I'm so excited to have you today because, um, oh, by the way, guys, uh, Tyler's having technical difficulties, so he'll he'll join in the episode shortly. But for now, it's just me um, taking it personally, but it's fine. Yep. <laughs> uh, but I'm so excited because we've had so many actors and and directors and stuff like um, from both TV and film here and like your job is so unique and specific and often something people don't even think about. So I really like, I'm, I'm just curious, like how you ended up here and doing that. Right. Um, well, everyone who ends up doing what I do has like a very different path. Like there is no one singular way. Um, I have always been involved in theater. I went to LaGuardia High School in New York, which is the fame school. Um, And I was a singer and decided that performing is the worst. And so (laughs) (laughs) I dropped out of the like performance track and everyone who wanted to stay at LaGuardia, but drop out of their performance track or art track ended up in the basement in the technical theater program that was unofficial at the time. Um, It became an actual application major when I graduated. Um, So I started doing technical theater when I was like, you know, 16. And that was like lighting and sound and stage management and everything backstage that one could do. And I ended up going to Ithaca College for lighting and sound hilariously. And then halfway through college, I was like, mm, I don't like numbers. This isn't going to work. <laughs> and so I dropped the F out of my BFA, got a BA, and ended up doing a lot of like wardrobe and costuming, not designing, but like running shows. 
And in my senior year, a friend of mine named Katie Delaney, who was a costume design major, was like, I'm so excited you're uh, gonna wardrobe supervise my show. P.S. There are wigs in it, good luck. And I was like, uh, come again? Uh, <laughs> and so I sort of just like, you know, we like figured some stuff out. It wasn't a lot, it was like two wigs for like a really cool version of Midsummer, I think. Um, and then we graduated and Katie went to cosmetology school and I have no ideas of my own. So I was like, that's a good idea. I should probably do that too. <laughs> and at the time, you know, you're graduating college and you're just like, what am I doing with my life? Um, and I was like, I'm never doing theater again. I'm going to be a waitress and I'll figure something else out. Um, so I applied to like the Juilliard costume internship and the wig and makeup internship and didn't get into either of them because I was like so confused about what I was doing. And I took like a year to just work and be alive and then went to cosmetology school, <laughs> which like kids, if you're listening and you want to be a hairstylist, you don't need to go to college. So there's that. That's fair. That makes sense. Uh-huh. You mean go just go trade. straight to cosmetology school? Go to trade school. Yep. I mean, college is great, but you yep. know, expensive. Yep. Um, so I went to cosmetology school and ended up landing the Juilliard wig and makeup internship right after I graduated from awesome. cosmetology school because I had like set myself on an actual specific track. And that really was like, I mean, I will worship that program until the day I die because it just opens all these doors. Like so many people in the industry have been through that program. Um, and it's how I got my first professional gig at a gunquit in Maine. Mm. Um, I did a season there and then came back to New York and, uh, you know, just, just went for it. I mean, I had to actually work in a salon because I could not get arrested for theater work for a little while. Um, And then, you know, you get that one job and you meet the right person or whatever. It sounds, you know, like luck and kismet, but, you know, you're trying, you're working your butt off. Um, And here we are. 11 years later, 10 years later. Right. Yeah. A decade. A decade. A decade. Decade. Wow. (laughs) What is it that you like about doing hair and wigs for theater and film versus just being a stylist and, you know, working in a salon? Um, that's a really good question. Uh, my like rude answer is that salon toxicity is garbage, but that's not the real answer. Um, So there's nothing quite like when you put a wig onto someone and you see their character come into the room. And maybe people who don't do theater, like don't really understand, like that sounds a little schizophrenic, but like, it's just this like really interesting moment of like, here is this creation. And this like thing that most people, as you said, don't think about informs the creation so deeply. And that's just really cool. Like you can't 
by that moment, you know, Mm -hmm. like it's, it's such a collaborative process moment coming to fruition in front of you. Right. Yeah. And so I'm clear, you aren't necessarily a designer, you are the technician, correct? Or is it kind of fluctuating? It fluctuates for me personally. I've been very lucky in my career to work side by side with someone named Josh Marquette, who is a very successful wig and hair designer. Um, he's done things like, I don't know, the Book of Mormon and Aladdin. <laughs> and, you know, we could be here all day talking about him. <laughs> um, but he's someone that I met through the Juilliard program. And he, uh, so he is a designer. He's the one that sort of like dreams up and dictates what the world looks like. And then I work for him as an associate. So there is some trust from him to help determine what things look like. Like if he's not there, I can create in his vision. Um, But I am not really interested in being the deciding person or the decider, if that's grammatically correct. Um, So yeah, I'm more of a technician. I'm like a facilitator. I'm an associate. Um, And then like in my TV job, I get to actually do hair and like choose what people look like with my boss, Cool, if that makes sense. Um, So there is like a design element to all of it, but I am not personally a designer. Right, right. Yeah. So yeah. you would, you would, I, I like the wig and hair designer would work with the costumes designer and then they'll just say like, this is what we want it to look like and you do it. Yeah. I mean, Josh specifically, for example, works with a lot of like visual um, information. Like there's a lot of research and reference photos and stuff like that. Um, but for the most part, yeah, there's a conversation or meetings before I come in and he sort of presents like the world and what it looks like to me. And then we work with like the hair crew or the supervisor or whoever is building the show with us to implement his designs. Got it. Yeah. Are there like big differences between theater and film when you're doing this job? Absolutely. <laughs> um, yes, there are there is a laundry list of differences. Um so in terms of hair specifically, um, for example, like the hair designer for a theatrical live theatrical production is not the person who runs the show. Got it. Whereas like the hair head of a television show or a film is the person like creating the look of the show and they are also facilitating. Um, And it, you know, it just trickle downs from or trickles down from there. Like uh, theater wigs are built a little bit like sturdier than film and TV wigs because they need to last eight shows a week and TV film wigs need to not look like wigs. So they have to Mm -hmm. be built very specifically to like disappear into you know, hairlines or wig caps or sorry, bald caps or whatever, you know, the actual show calls for. So yeah, there's a lot of uh, differences and that's only, you know, the tip of the iceberg. Mm-hmm. Scheduling, money, it's all different. Everywhere. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Do you prefer one over the other? 
Um, I prefer the money of television. Mm-hmm. I prefer the work of theater. Yeah. It's Why? sort of a double-edged sword. Yeah. Um, there's nothing like doing it live. There's nothing like the adrenaline rush of a quick change. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's nothing like the potential for things to go wrong in front <laughs> of people. <laughs> you know, just like that junkie thrill. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, TV. And like, I will say, I haven't worked on a movie, like a full film. I've worked like days on a film. So I don't have that experience per se, which I think is a little bit more intrinsically like a theatrical situation where you Mm -hmm. like have a family. Um, But yeah, no, there's nothing like doing it live and, and only having the one shot. Right. Right. Like you get, I mean, yes, you get to do it eight shows a week, but that night is the only shot that you have to do it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Do you feel like you get to be a little bit more creative when you're doing a theatrical piece as well? Because. Um, that's tricky. I mean, you know, once the, once the designs are set, you're sort of locked in. Right. And that's the hard part about theater. Same for actors, I'm sure anybody, stage management, you know this. Mm-hmm. It becomes, this sounds terrible, but like it becomes like a conveyor belt, like you're putting out this product, right? And the right. product is set and there's not a lot of room for you to um, deviate from what has been decided. Um, so I think that there's actually more unless you're designing it and then leaving, there's more sort of creativity in TV film because there's different characters coming in all the time and different types of air and different people to work on. So it's, uh, it's, it's different creativities, you know? Right. Right. Is your spectrum of work kind of like thematically all over the place? Like, are you doing, on television are you doing uh fictional stuff do you do news do you do like and then the same with theater is it all realism and to all the way to Shakespeare or does it you kind of feel like you have a niche um I definitely don't have a niche I do whatever the show requires sure um I'm sure that there are certain things that I am better at Mm -hmm. um but you know, the hope as a hairstylist is that you can sort of walk into a situation and work with any time period, any texture of hair, um, and have a full knowledge of, or at least basic knowledge of what needs to happen to facilitate what the show requires. Um, yeah, I don't think that there's like, for me specifically, I don't think that there's like a niche area. Right. Yeah. Which do you feel like is more complicated? Natural hair or wigs? I mean, it's always easier to do wigs. Yeah. Because you can stick pins in them. They don't have opinions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And also it's just like, it's time-saving ultimately. Um, I don't think people realize like how long it can take to just create one style. 
or how little it can take. Like, I think some things look really complicated and they're not, and some things look really simple and they're very complicated. Like, I think the hardest thing to pull off on a wig and make it look good is a ponytail. Interesting. It's so hard. Yeah. Because the second that it loses the correct shape, Mm -hmm. it's a giveaway. Interesting. Yeah. But like, you know, a 1940s, 1950s, it's got, you know, waves and curls and it's, you know, a little bouncy and like lived in and you're like, oh, that's totally real. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, sometimes they end up looking really shellacked, but um, yeah, it's really hard to make real hair look real in wigs. Sure. So sure. that's the sort of like give it, give and take, but it's much easier to work on a wig than it is to work on a human. <laughs> yeah. Makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> How often do you have to give like haircuts and stuff like that to maintain things? Um, also different depending on the okay. medium of performance, um, theater. So like every contract has its own version of how things are done. Um, but technically we only have to do haircuts on people who use their real hair in the show. Right. If someone is wigged for the whole show. We don't have to deal right. with that. It's not what we're paying them for. Right. We, the producers are paying <laughs> I'm not paying anyone. Um, but on television, for example, at least at my show, they get a haircut at the beginning of every episode. Wow. Yeah. So it's like we film an episode in eight days and every eight days, there's sort of like a check-in about hair length. Because, Are you allowed to say what show you're working on? Oh yeah. I work for the blacklist. Oh, that's fun. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's cool. But so like, that's a procedural show where the characters look how they look. Right. And any sort of like deviation from how they look is either extremely intentional or will draw attention to how they look, which you actually don't necessarily want unless it's a plot point. Right, right, right. Um, so... Yeah, they they get haircuts every week. Um, well, the men specifically, obviously, women sure. you can't tell that their hair is growing unless they have short hair. Um, yeah, and then theater is like, I think at the Book of Mormon, the boys got haircuts like once a month or something like that, mm-hmm. and that is your responsibility, um, which is why you should go to cosmetology school because you get licensed to do right. that. Right, right. Terrible thing, and to join the union you need to have a license. Oh, interesting. Yes. Okay. Um, Layers of rules. Uh, yeah, totally. Uh, since you brought up a union, um, yeah. and I think it's something that, again, people don't really know that much about, um, mm-hmm. how, What what is that process and what does that do for you? Well, it depends on where you live. Um, so like, for example, uh, I am a member of Local 798 under the IATSE umbrella um, of locals. And 798 is the hair and makeup uh, artisan local. And then, for example, like in California, there's a different local. So you can't just like jump back and forth. 
Um, but 798 has a jurisdiction on like the Eastern seaboard basically. So there's a lot of States that I could technically work in under the same contract. Oh, cool. Um, but if that's something that you're interested in, it's like, you know, an application procedure you have to, I mean, I did it in 2011, I think. So it, I haven't looked at like the rules and I don't know how much I'm allowed to technically talk about them, but <laughs> Uh, you have to work a certain number of days um, and like have proof of that work. You have to be licensed or have a barber license, um, at least for the hairstylist side. Makeup has different rules. Um, and there's just like a whole application process, you know, like getting into anything basically. And you interview and you have a portfolio and people don't realize that like being a hairstylist or a makeup artist is something that can actually get you health insurance or yeah. can have you protected at work or yeah. uh, get you connected to people who can continually hire you. Right. Um, so yeah, the union is, um, it's a big part of what we do actually. It's, it's mandatory to work. Um, it's mandatory to be in the union to work on basically most of the things in New York, like Broadway or, um, television and film broadway there's and some wiggle room there and it's but it's the same union for both film and theater you don't need like a separate got it yeah film, got film it. tv and theater all under the same local um okay. there are different contracts right right but um to be a hair or makeup artist in the union gets you the availability to work on all of those types of uh, industry projects. Got it. Yeah. Um, and I do think like, this is a, a, a poignant point of conversation, you know, especially with what is happening with the IATSE out in California and, and, mm -hmm. um, like, could you kind of talk through what your typical day is and to kind yeah. of like explain to people like why it's such a big deal that, that these unions are, are pushing for better stuff <laughs> um they're pushing for the right things let me tell yes. you so specifically in television um our normal day and we have like a nice schedule right let me start sure. there because our show runs really smoothly and um we don't work in like totally we don't work like 16 hour days or whatever normally um, which is very normal in the industry. Um, but for example, tomorrow morning, Monday, I have to be at work at 5.42 a.m. <laughs> they couldn't round it down or up. They had to do yeah. to 42 well, specifically. It, it, it's contractual time things. Like we Got do it. everything by six minutes. Interesting. Yeah. So there, and there's a reason for it. Um, and I mean, I'll give you one that I know, which is so because we have a contract, because I'm in a union, if I am called at 542, that gives me 18 minutes of setup time before my actor is called at 6 a.m. Got it. Okay. I don't know why it's 18. Right. Sixes. Um, but so like technically in that time, you can sort of like set your station up, prepare everything that you need. Um, and then your actor would be ready to go 
walking in the door at 6 a.m. Does everything happen that perfectly and seamlessly? Of course not. But that's <laughs> the idea behind on the sixes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure it stems from something else that I don't know about because I don't know everything about why things are the way that they are. But, you know, um, so that's that's a normal start time for us. Wow. Um, and it, you know, it varies between like 5 a.m. and like 7 a.m. or 8 a.m., depending on the day, depending on when actors are coming in, depending on which actors are coming in. And if your actor is coming in first, you're the early call. If your actor's coming in later, you're later call. Right. Um, and then you can basically be at work anywhere from 8 to 10 to 12 to 14 hours. Or, I mean, you could also get wrapped within two hours, but that's not generally yeah. what happens. And you just have to stay for the entirety of the filming for the day in case something happens. Yes. So there's four of us that work on the team. Um, and it's a really incredible group of women that I work with. And we are very respectful of each other's time and needs and exhaustion and things like that. So I'm very lucky in the sense that I work with a group that will say, well, you, you came in early today. So why don't you leave early Mm -hmm, or, mm -hmm. you know, I'm taking the day off tomorrow. So I'll stay late tonight, you know, whatever it is. And that is not always the case. Sure. That is definitely what the conversation has been in California with like local 600, which was the camera local um, because they come to work at 7 a.m. and they don't leave until we're done filming too, you know, and we come in before them. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's pretty crazy. Um, and you, yeah, you can't really plan anything cause you don't know when you're getting out of work. Cause you don't know when things are going to wrap for the day. Um, a lot of shows get pushed later and later in the day. So what happens is because of turnaround time, actors normally have like a 12 hour turnaround between when they wrap and when they're called the next day, but have anywhere from eight to 10 hours, which is not not enough. Yeah. Yeah. And it's different for every local. Um, but I'm sure some have 12. I don't know. I don't know all of the locals, obviously. But what they were asking for is time to rest. Mm-hmm. And that increases safety. It increases well-being at work. It mm-hmm. increases all things. And I think that's why a lot of people stay in theater because, yes, it's more days on, but it's less hours per day. Yeah. So there's like a real disconnect there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it could be, it could be a 12 hour day every day. And if the, ter- if you wrap later and later each day, your morning call gets pushed later and later. So then by Friday, sometimes you're not even coming into work until 12 PM, 4 PM, 6 PM. And but you're then you're expect- working all night. Yeah. It's called a fratter. <laughs> that sounds like a terrible college party. <laughs> It is a terrible college party without the fun and danger. Well, maybe the danger, but it's, yeah, it's, it's horrible. I mean, you make money, but you know, you, if you get home at 6am on a Saturday morning, you don't have a weekend because right. Sunday night you have to go to bed at 8pm 
latest, you know, if you want to get like a real night's sleep before you have to turn around and get up at 4.30. So, you know, there's, there's good reason as to why people are fighting for quality of life. Absolutely. Absolutely. Not to say that we're not compensated for what we do, but it, it doesn't have to be that way. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, I think it's, I, I just, I, I think it's really important for, for people to, to kind of hear about this because, um, even in theater and, and I'm actually one of the things I'm most excited about with this job I'm starting, um, yeah. this week is, um, not only for the rehearsal week. So it's really not going to be that long. We're actually getting two days off a week, which is oh, not usual. We, I mean, they're not consecutive every week, but just because of like Thanksgiving and stuff, but like, at least we're getting more than one day off a week. Hey, and then even with our tech, we're not doing 10 out of 12s. We're doing eight out of tens. And like, oh. that's amazing because it's, yeah. it, it, you do, everybody hits a point when you've been working a 10, 12, 14 hour day where like, you're not useful anymore. So why are we, why are we pushing to make it happen? And, um, that's great. Yeah. Good I, yeah. I know. I was, I was really happy to hear that. Um, so, but, I mean, and, and like film just makes it seem like it's, yeah, that much worse. <laughs> well, but like films, like you have a weekend and like, you know, there's food, they feed you. I mean, at least right. on the contract that I'm working on. Um, and in theory, like, you know, they care and they're taking care of you, but like to bring it back to theater, I also think that the eight show week is BS. I agree. Like there's absolutely, like, wouldn't you somehow save money if you just had six sold out shows instead of eight semi sold shows? Again, like I said earlier, she doesn't do numbers. <laughs> But <laughs> yes, a hundred percent. I know I agree. And like, and, and, you know, we always joke too of like, when you have your day off, it's not a day off because you have to do all of the things that you weren't able to do during the week. You have to do your errands. You have to, you know, and so like, there's no time to relax and, and even a seven show week would be amazing. And like having two consecutive days off in a row, like, um, you know, Monday, Tuesday, even though that's still not the weekend, like doesn't matter. So many people would be so happy. <laughs> it does not matter. And the other thing yeah. too is like, I don't know how it works for, you know, smaller contract shows, but like, if you're on a show that's running for a year in New York, for example, mm -hmm. I think Broadway probably has a different mentality about certain things because of how long shows run or don't. Um, but if you're on something for a year, you got to take some days off. Right. Right. And if you had two days off, and you took off a Sunday, you then have three lovely days off yep. as opposed to having the singular day and having to take off multiple days and lose your wages to right. have some peace of mind. You know, right. like we, who need, we don't need a Wednesday matinee every week. Right. We don't need a Tuesday night show every week. Yep. Yep. It, I mean, don't get me wrong. I loved it. I've done it. I did it for years, right? Like I've done more theater than I've done TV and film, but it's hard. Mm -hmm. I don't care if you're only working five hours a day. It's not that you no. have, you're mentally there 
all day long because you're just preparing to go there. Right. And it's, and it's not five hours in the middle of the day either. It's in the evening (laughs) and like, uh, especially in New York, you have to plan in your commute and you have to, you know, like there, there is, yeah, a bunch of, yeah. Like as a stage manager, that is not including all of the understudy rehearsal. That's not including all of the work calls. That's not including any press or publicity that gets done. Like it doesn't stop. And it's not just 40 hours. It's 60, Yep. you know, and then you're, and then you like literally have to do everything in your whole life on a Monday, as you said, it's crazy. Um, so, uh, you have, what was the last, what was the last theater production you worked on? Well, I actually, because, um, theater is roaring back. I actually just opened or like set up to, North American tours that are going out. So uh, for Josh Marquette, who I was talking about earlier. So he designed um, Pretty Woman, the musical and from the musical, um, you know, out of town and then on Broadway in 2018, 19, something in there. Um, Time is a construct. Um, (laughs) And so you know, because post-pandemic, the world was like reopening and everything was coming back at once. He had like four or five shows that were going out on tour that were reopening. Um, So I went to Rhode Island and loaded in and set up Pretty Woman at uh, the PPAC in Providence, which was awesome. And then I went to um, Paducah, Kentucky and tech, yes, very glamorous and teched and loaded in um the prom and then sent them on their journeys into the world and was that just um setting wigs and making sure things fit properly and and the the people who are running the show know how to do it all and then you you walked away yeah basically um it's yeah it's going in it's you know, working with the supervisor. And if there's an assistant, then the assistant hair supervisor um, to set up the show, you know, you have to do all the haircuts for the wigs. You have to either create new styles for um, new types of hair textures that are coming in or reference the, as it's known, hair Bible that has all of the um, photos of the show originally. So you're sort of like basing the styling off of those old or like an initial styles Mm -hmm. um for reference and so you're just sort of recreating the show in a new in a new vein and then yes you give it its kiss on the head and you send it on its merry way with its new (laughs) pair i love that yeah um what was life like for you when everything got shut down were you able to kind of jump back into filming pretty quickly or we're um, sitting around twiddling your thumbs like the rest of us. <laughs> I sat around for a while. We were very lucky to go back in way sooner than live theatrical. Um, we shut down obviously in March of 2020. And then because we were sort of like mid season and I, I mean, I was lucky in that, like I had a job basically. Um, like it wasn't like my job just shut down and, and disappeared. Um, we got a couple of like 
emails from producers that was like, you know, oh, August is the start date. Nope. September start date. Nope. October. And then October stuck. And so we were actually out of work eight months to the day, seven months. Oh. To the day? I can't remember. Um, and so we started filming again, season eight, we started filming in October of 2020 and went through until June of 2021. So I was twiddling my thumbs for a while. Yeah. Um, you know, listening to my boyfriend direct plays on Zoom <laughs> in the other Her, room. Yep. <laughs> you know, you know all about that. I do. Um, yeah, but it was a long eight months, you know. Yeah. It was crazy. You didn't you didn't intense. You didn't come up with any new hobbies or find a hidden talent. Um, hilariously, actually, I trained as a doula in 2018. I don't know if I'd call it a hobby because it's a little yeah. that. Um, and at the time, the only um birthing center in like the boroughs, I think was still operating not too far from where we live in Brooklyn. Oh, cool. So I was hearing there. Um, and then uh, a camera operator friend of mine owns a cafe in Brooklyn as well. Um, Root Cafe, if anyone's in South Slope or Greenwood Heights and needs a delicious place to go, you're welcome, Garrett. Um, mm -hmm. And they had sort of started a food pantry in their cafe. Oh, cool. So I would volunteer there and then volunteer at the birthing center and try not to lose my mind. Mm -hmm. As we How all many babies did you help deliver? As we all did. Um, I only helped deliver one actually. Okay. Uh, not helped deliver, supported. Sure. Yeah. No. <laughs> um, taking credit for this like incredible <laughs> woman. Um, it was only one because a lot of women ultimately, you know, a birth plan is a very loose suggestion. Sure. <laughs> I don't like the word plan. Cause you're out of, you're not in control of the, of the experience. Right. Um, but I was with a lot of women who either like my shift ended or ended up transferring to a hospital so that they could get the care that they needed and, mm -hmm. you know, or the drugs that they wanted. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So that was quite an experience. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not even going to pretend to, to claim that I think I could probably give birth without drugs. If, if, and when that time comes, I'm, I'm just going to go straight. You know, to the hospital. <laughs> it's kind of crazy. I mean, this is a whole other conversation, but like when, when you're going into labor, not again, I don't have personal experience, but when you're going into labor, it's so exciting for the most part that sure. you use up all of your energy and people don't think about that. Like, because you're, you're signing up for like a potentially like four day experience. Right. Know? And if you don't sleep the first 24 hours, like, yeah, it's a problem. Not, it's not going to be fun. I mean, it's not fun, yeah. right? but, um, yeah, it's interesting. Um, I think I would probably get drugs too. <laughs> yeah. I'm being yeah. really honest. I would try. Yeah. I think I would try to like humor myself. And then I would be like this. No way. No yep. way. I'm not yep. a hero. 
Yeah. But you know, people do it all the time. So. And more props to them. Good for yeah, them. Absolutely. Absolutely. I don't have that pain tolerance. You know, I um, think it's different. I don't know. Anyway, hairstyling. <laughs> hairstyling. Well, yeah. um, since uh, you work on blacklist like what do you do when uh the the season's wrapped for you know for the year or whatever um i collapse into a ball of freedom um it's we've been pretty lucky the past couple of seasons to know that we are being asked back as the hair team Mm -hmm. so it's sort of like brackets these like couple of months of like okay, I don't really have to worry because I know that my job is coming back in two months. Right, right. Um, so uh, like, for example, that's how I met you coming to right. because I had the time to just like go to the, go to the West ish um, and like see the sites. Um, but yeah, you, I mean, a lot of people just hop onto other projects. Mm-hmm. I am not that person. Mm-hmm. I do not. Um, live to work anymore I work to live which tv is something that can facilitate that really nicely um at least in New York on a major production you know uh so yeah you you know I have like sometimes I work at American Ballet Theater because their summer season happens when I am not at um on my tv job and that's like my favorite job in the whole world because it's theatrical and it's ballet, which I love. I absolutely love ballet. Um, so that's really fun. And that's like a couple weeks of work um, in a completely different like area, stratosphere. Um, or, you know, shows start and stop at like the same time. So you can just hop onto something else that's starting up or pick up a couple days. It's called day playing. Like you swing. Mm theater you day play in television Mm -hmm. interesting yes so you can day play on some stuff or you know if you get a pilot and it only films for like a couple days whatever it is you know there's like always something to do or you can not work and like breathe and sleep for a second (laughs) right right (laughs) is like is there any more room for I don't even want to say room for growth, but like you're clearly happy with what you do now, but is there another aspect to the job that you haven't had a chance to try yet that you'd like to do? Or is there like a dream show that you'd love to work on something that you feel like, how do you keep it challenging and interesting? Um, these are really good questions. (laughs) I think, well, personally, I've never worked on a film. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, I said for years that I was never going to work in television (laughs) (laughs) and now it's the longest job I've ever had. Um, so I think like the thing for me, I, I don't want to say I get bored very easily, but I like to be challenged. I like to be busy. Um, I like to learn. I think that as long as I'm learning something new, I'm doing my job which sounds opposing, but I think that's actually how it works for me. Um, So I'd really like to do a film. Um, I've never been a department head in TV or film. That is not 
something that I like really care about. I'm actually, I think much better as an assistant or like a right hand. Um, in theater, I will be a department head, but in TV and film, that's not really how I vibe. Um, so I would love to like assist on a film. Um, and I haven't done any like period work on TV and film. Um, so that would be a big challenge for me, like, like learning how to like knock those styles out on real hair or even on wigs, um, in the time allotted, um, I'm getting like nervous thinking about it just as I'm talking about it. I'm like, oh God, maybe I can't um, but there are a lot of people who are like incredible at it. So I should let them do it. Um, and I do want to go back to Broadway. I miss yeah. I miss theater. I don't really know what that means for me because as we've noted, the schedule and the lifestyle can be tough. Um, but I feel like something that is maybe a mix of like the theatrical and the film world would be really exciting. Like, you know, they just filmed this big show called The Gilded Age. Um, and I think it's really just about the gilded age right um but it was like all these like amazing broadway performers and all of these like incredible hairstyles and you know like christine baranski and kelly o'hara and like all of these people um and i didn't get to work on it because well not because i didn't work on it as like a day player because i was working at blacklist Right. Um, but something like in that vein would be really exciting. Ah. Um, I don't know. I sort of, you know, I've been very lucky in terms of like what has come into my immediate like work life and like what I say yes and no to, or like what falls in my lap, like blacklist fell in my lap and it's changed my life. So mm-hmm. I sort of just like to go with the flow of things. That was a long-winded answer for no it's I just I think it's so interesting because again you know eh, actors always have a role that they want or like a person that they'd like to be like or the you know and so I just think it's it is not something you think about with crew um in any way and and you know what what is your you you do it for a reason is but is there like a dream you have or something sure really interesting do you have one um I have two. Okay. I, um, I do want to direct at some point in my life. Matt and I were talking really? about this. Yeah. Oh my God. Um, Matt, no. I, yes. I did tell him. Um, so I told him anytime he needs a stage manager or uh, assistant director to let me know, oh. I, can come to, I can come to New York for a little bit. <laughs> um, awesome. Listeners just, sorry. Uh, we've mentioned oh, it a yes. couple of times. So uh, uh, Sarah's boyfriend is Matt Dixon, who was the director of where do we sit on the bus? He did yeah. an interview with PWRP along with Satya Chavez and uh, Brian Quijada in August. So if you missed that one, you can go back and listen to those three. They were a lot of fun. Um, but I was yeah. very excited to meet Sarah through Matt. <laughs> um, so I wanted to make sure she got on the show too. Um, but my other, my other dream that I think I'd be really happy with is um, to be like, a staff PSM at a regional theater, you know, so I got, I got to work for the same theater, um, but I would still get to do different shows every year, you know, like, cause like one of the things I don't like about Broadway is the really long runs. Like I get bored. I, I, you know, there is something to be said about job security for sure, 
but, but that's um, not why we do this <laughs> exactly like so like it's kind of the best of both worlds i'd have job security cuz i would be basically on staff at this company but i would get to do a new show every 3 months and yeah. you know and i would get to still work with a lot of new people so i would be really happy with that um as well but for right now i'm i'm just happy to like keep bouncing around and learning and yeah there is something now that you say it, like the idea of like a staff position. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. There's, I've worked at um, the Alliance in Atlanta uh-huh. a couple of times and their hair and makeup person, Lindsay is amazing. And it's just such a great job. I mean, I don't know if she feels that way. I think she does, but <laughs> you know, it's like, you get to, it's a revolving door of creativity because all of these shows come in, all of these people come in, they come from everywhere, just like you said. And, you know, you're doing new stuff and it's not like you have to commit to the same show for a year or six months or however long, like you're constantly like moving forward. And that is very exciting. I've always thought that that would be really cool, but I've never been the kind of person to like seek out that kind of work. Right. Right. I've always been such a freelance person. Totally. Also, I think those jobs are like hard to come by. Oh, so hard. I mean, once you once you got it, you don't give that up easily. Yeah. Um, Yeah. That's still years down the road. I'm not. I'm not getting there yet. But yeah, you just gotta um, gotta see what works for you. Exactly. I do. I meant to ask this question way earlier, and I forgot. But I don't want to forget now. Um, when you design the wigs do you also make them like from scratch or do you usually get Um, it depends I don't personally um and the designer that I've only worked for one designer technically um but multiple times so I can only speak to like how he and I do things he has a wig maker and she facilitates all of the actual physical wigs um that is not to say that there are not designers who make like they they do make stuff in-house they do build wigs it's called ventilating ventilating they ventilate wigs yeah so and that is something that i do do um but i don't do it on the scale of like building a whole show right 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 yeah um that's like sewing hair into a a netted cap (laughs) literally (laughs) It's knotting hair into lace. That's um, not lace, like, you know, pretty, yeah. Mother's wedding dress. Like, it's right. lace, like made for hair to be knotted into. Right. And if you've ever latch hooked a rug or something like that, oh, yeah. Same exact um, knotting. Oh, process, interesting. Miniature tiny hair. Yeah. Wow, um, yeah, that's something that I also learned at the Juilliard internship. And there are only like three or four programs in the United States that I know of that like oh, school wow. that have that program. I actually wow. went to, I, between, I think it was between like shows, I took a month and a half and went to this program in England Mm. England is like, I mean, the, the British and the Swiss, I feel like, and like the Germans are like wig aficionados. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of like the wig business world in England. Um, so 
I went to a program there and like worked on learning more about ventilating and making uh, foundations, which is like what you sew the hair into. Um, so it. yeah, some designers do it in-house, some don't. And it's very helpful, like when you're working on a live theatrical show with a ton of wigs to know how to fix or add right. hair or, you know, if something tears, God forbid, or, um, you know, you need to adjust something to like have that skill set, right, which is right. like, that is a niche for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Not everyone knows that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. It is pretty um, cool. kind of crazy when you like look at it. I remember when I showed my sister like what ventilating was and she was just like screaming with like, <laughs> like nervous laughter. I, I want to say she was like, this is what you've been doing here. And I was like, yeah, it is. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. I just like you. Uh, that's like one of those things where you've got to turn it into Zen. I feel like otherwise you're just going to go crazy. <laughs> Yeah. And it's like riding a bicycle. Like you don't forget how to do it, but if you haven't done it in a long time, mm -hmm. you're like, Oh my God, I'm going to die here. <laughs> it just takes so long. That's and like, so you know, funny. professionals can like bang out a full wig in like a week. And it would take wow. me because like the amount that I actually do it versus like what would be needed for me to do it full time. Oh my God. I would have to really work to get back up to that level. Yeah. Yeah. Do it often. Um, we getting to the part of the show where we always like to ask, um, what is like, I, we call it your party story, you know, like something just so ridiculous that has happened to you in your career, because oh that's the nature of, of the beast, you know, that is always fun to tell at a party. Sure. Um, oh gosh. I think I always tell this story because I also have a terrible memory. So it's like one that I remember. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, so um, I had just sort of like started my career and I had met Josh, who I keep talking about, uh, the hair designer, and at Juilliard like once. And then a year or so later, I had gotten hired to replace the hair supervisor on a show at Second Stage uh -huh. in the city. So I had like replaced her, was working on something with them, and they told me um, that they had this upcoming show called Dogfight. It was being, it was a new show being written. And that there was going to be like a bunch of wigs in it. And they wanted to know if I was interested. And I was like, absolutely. Like, that's awesome. You know, moving things forward, trying. And so they hired me. But what I found out later at the meet and greet for the show is that Josh didn't know that they had hired me. And so he was sort of like, I like went up to him after the meet and greet and I was like, hi, Josh, I'm Sarah. Um, you know, I'm, I've been hired to supervise the show and like I met you at Juilliard and he was like, yeah, yeah, that's great. But I didn't hire you. And I was like, oh, <laughs> because like in my experience, you know, like off Broadway regionally, like it is the, the house that hires, right? right? 
not the designers, but on Broadway and in like certain situations, the designer has a lot of say in who is going to be the person that takes care of their designs. Right. Which makes complete sense. And it was a 1960s show. So it's period styling, um, which not everyone can do. And it was also that night happened to be the first night that I was um, going to train on a Broadway hair track as a swing. It was my very first show, which was called Rock of Ages, which mm-hmm. I will love that show until the day I die. Um, and also it happened because of Juilliard people and connections and like the reasons that I got all of this work. Um, and so I lied to him to make myself sound better. And I was like, you know, he was like, well, I was going to ask this other person from Juilliard to run the show who was more established. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, I mean, like, I totally get it. Um, but I did the show for them the last or the last show they did at second stage and they asked me, so, you know, let me know what you need. Um, I would love to stay in chat, but I have to go run a show on Broadway. Just to like make myself sound like I knew that, like I knew I was doing something and that I was capable of anything. And I was like, yeah, I have to go run Rock of Ages. So I can't stay now, but um, you have my number. <laughs> like, <laughs> or, you know, some like variation of that. And he, of course, doesn't remember this all at all. And it's like imprinted on me as like the moment that anything could have happened to me. Yeah. Um, but I ended up doing the show. I think the other woman wasn't available mm. and, um, you know, fought really hard to like get our hair department, the like respect it deserved for various reasons for that particular production. And at the end of it, he asked me to work on a Broadway show. So that was like, <laughs> I am not good at lying. I am not good at like, well, this is what I'm working on. But mm-hmm. in that moment, I was like, this is your only chance you have have to make this happen. I love that. I love that. Because like, I feel like everyone has done some variation of that. Absolutely. And you're like, I'll never do that. And then you're like, I'm doing it. It's happening. Uh right? (laughs) (laughs) I feel like it was less of a lie and more just, uh, 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 sprucing up the truth a little bit, you know, (laughs) It was, uh, you know, a mission of, of truth. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But yeah. I feel like that's the one like party trick story that I really have. Um, I'm sure there's more, but like, that's the one that I always come back to totally. as like, totally. this defining moment in my right. career. Very, right. very early on too. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have, one? Oh, I love that. I mean, there's just always so many. I'm trying to think. I mean, honestly, I think the the funniest thing that's happened most recently was when we were doing bus after it opened and yeah. Matt had finally left town and we were able to like run the show. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, uh, right. But it, it was an outdoor production and I had never done an outside thing before. And and the few times we had to cancel once because of weather but there were just a couple times where we were like, do we, don't we? And just having to make those, dis- and there was one night, it was one of our last weekend where we made the college kids basically sit for like an hour 
Um, and we started the show super late because we were letting some rain pass. And so all of these <laughs> new freshmen were just sitting on the lawn getting rained on. <laughs> oh my God. Um, and, and then, and then we did the show. Um, but like, you know, we couldn't, great. yeah, and it was great, but so it's just like, it's just those funny things. Um, you know, you do it, make things happen. So you just make it. Yeah. You got to make yeah. it, work. which yeah. is like, the mentality that has brought us to the point where people want to go on strike, but also just like a fun thing that we do. We make it work. Yes. Yes. Half half terrible. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a very fine line. Like, yeah. Yeah. But, um, the other thing we always like to ask too, is, is if you have like a piece of advice for folks who are trying to maybe follow a similar path to you, or if there's just something you've learned, you know, that has really been really important to you that you'd like to share. Um, am I allowed to curse? Yes. Okay, great. So it's not a bad word. It's just that, like, I think that for my job specifically, yes, you are, you have to have some sort of hairstyling skill. But I think across the board in, and this is again, so many like, and also's, um, I I don't want to say that like being a talented hairstylist is not important, right? Like it's very important and it's not for everybody and not anyone should be doing this job. I will say that point blank, but 75% of what we do is not being an asshole. Mm Mm-hmm. 25% of it is, can you do hair? Mm -hmm. And to me, 75% is be a good person. Yeah. Because hairstyling is hairstyling is hairstyling. But when you are working with people, you don't even think about like, I'm an energy person. Um, You are touching someone as part of your job. You are creating something for them that is supposed to make them comfortable and part of the experience. And that person can be in your chair for one day and then go away. And that's the experience that they had for the show and working with you. You work in tight quarters with all sorts of personalities. I am not perfect. We've all had our moments, but I think across the board in life, (laughs) 75% of everything is don't be an asshole. Yeah. Truly. Yeah. I think, I mean, I say that all the time and I'm sure some people have a lot of issues with that because they think that the talent is the most important thing. The talent of having of your skill set, not being the talent. Um, But yeah, I think it's that simple. Like, I think that's great advice. Thanks. (laughs) I, 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 I'm hundred percent agree with you. I mean, I feel the same way about my job. Like so much of it is about being, just be a good person and, and like care about the people you work with. It's about personalities. It's about create, like the other thing that's so special about theater or like a long running show in any form, I guess, is that you are forced into this familial experience with people that otherwise you would have no relationship to. And 
I think it's your responsibility to uh, facilitate a positive experience in every way that you can. I have had times where I have had really low points in my life and it has been really hard to carry any sort of positivity into a job. And that's going to happen to everybody. But if you aren't terrible all the time, those people will say it's okay. You can be Mm -hmm. where you are and you'll, Mm -hmm. you'll come back, you know, Mm -hmm. and we got you. And like, you have to go in like personality forward, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you're just, it's, it's a pressure cooker, no matter, no matter what. And you're stuck together yep. <laughs> in usually yep. very small places. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. A little trailer where you're, you got people coming in. Yeah. In and out, in and out. And again, I know I'm not perfect. I have definitely broken my own rule, but I try really hard, you know? And, sure. you know, you don't have to go. To well, college. and I That's feel like I have, if you start off, not being an asshole, people are more willing to forgive you on the rare occasion that you are an asshole. I would hope so. Yeah. I think that that's true. Um, there's something about like, again, I've never had like a real job, right? Most people consider this to be like some fleeting thing that we do. Mm -hmm. It is a real job, but I have never worked in an office. I have never had a quote unquote nine to five. I have worked as a waitress. That is a whole experience. Mm -hmm. Um, I've never worked in retail, you know, whatever you want to pick. Everyone has their version of this. Um, I just think because our whole job is about personalities and creating that that can be excessive. It can add layers of humanity that you do not necessarily want to deal with or see. And you also have to like bring every, you know, you bring your life to work every day and then you have to like act out a different life or play a different life. And that's a lot of work. I don't know. I feel like I'm rambling now, but yeah, just be nice if you Mm -hmm. can. And if you can't try harder, I don't know. (laughs) I'm not nice all the time but I try. Yeah. Uh, I love it. Great advice. (laughs) More people, more people need to take it. (laughs) 10 years in the biz. And that's what I've got to show for it. Oh man. Um, so as we wrap up, is there any buddy or thing or place that you would want to maybe give a shout out to or promote, um, so that people could kind of look into that stuff. Um, geez, on the spot. Um, I have a friend who started, uh, her own hair product line for all hair, uh, black owned business. Her name is Amber Morrow. Um, she started this really great. I actually use the shampoo and conditioner. I really love them. Um, it's called nomadic beauty international woman owned black owned independent business. Very cool. Um, I'm trying to think we use, we use some of her products at the blacklist. Um, I'm trying to think of what else. Um, what's Matt working on? (laughs) Oh, uh, you could go see, Oh no, they closed. Uh, 
Let's see. No, he's not working on anything that you could go buy tickets to at this very second. Um, well, actually, you could stream. Where did we sit on the bus? That's true. Still streaming at the Actors Theater of Louisville online um, with the very same Satya Chavez from your production. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm not good on the spot. That's okay. We just like, um, you know, I didn't know if maybe you had like a secret Etsy that you like make I don't. beautiful. I like buy <laughs> things that other people make. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm wearing jewelry by my hairstylist friend Brandy Rhodes. Ooh. I don't even know if she has an Instagram, but I love her jewelry. Um, just like shameless promotion for my friends. Do it. I love that. Okay. We're yeah. here for. <laughs> I've got nothing personal, so I'll share the wealth. Love that. Yeah. Well, you're awesome. And oh I'm so, so glad that you did this. You're um, awesome. You guys, this aw. is so cool. I love that you're doing it. Thanks. Yeah. I mean, and honestly, the other thing I would say is if uh, uh, you're talking to any of the other crew on your show or other people who you think might want to like share their stories about, you know, working in the arts that aren't, you know, actors or whatever, please let me know because I'm dying to talk to camera people and even assistants. I don't care, you know, like just people who aren't, you know, who are behind the scenes. Like I'd love to hear more of their stories. So, um, I can think of a million people. I don't know if you want like 17 hairstylists all at once, but (laughs) definitely. Yeah. I mean, wardrobe, makeup, camera. That'd be great. Yeah. Cool. Okay. We should, uh, I'll send you an email. We'll email offline. Well, yeah, I won't give away their personal details on the podcast. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Before you go, um, yeah. let me do my little end of the episode spiel. Um, apparently Tyler, the internet at Tyler's house just didn't come back. So uh, thanks for listening Tyler. to just me. Um, <laughs> You're doing great. Uh, You're doing great. Thanks. Thanks. Uh, listeners. Thanks again. I hope you kind of like this, this different uh, perspective on things today um please continue to follow us on all podcast platforms uh you can rate and review us um on apple podcasts and amazon and spotify and all those places um also follow us on instagram facebook and twitter at pwrp podcast uh if you leave us a really lovely review we'd be happy to send you a thank you sticker just uh email us at pwrp.pod at gmail.com and and, uh, let us know where you reviewed us and we'll send you a sticker. Uh, If you want to be on the show because you work in theater or film or TV um, and you want to share your story, we'd love to have you. Uh, You doesn't matter what you do. Um, You can just email us again at pwrp.pod at gmail.com. And now Sarah, we have never learned how to finish the show in a uh, poised and professional way. So we just always have an awkward goodbye. So on the count of three, we'll say goodbye awkwardly. Okay. Uh, Goodbye. Bye.